0: Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Many soaps or hand sanitizers claim to kill 99.9% of germs. And we consider that okay. But is that acceptable in our spiritual lives? Today, John continues his message, making a commitment to live a pure life.
1: How can we be pure? Number one, you've got to have a desire for it. Without the desire, we don't have a chance. But if we're saved, we have that desire. Because the Holy Spirit is living in us, and He gives us the desire. He doesn't want anything in our lives that wouldn't be be right. And then number two, you've got to make a commitment to live a pure life. A commitment. In my notes, I wrote it this way. Without a commitment, nothing will come of the desire. In other words, the desire by itself is a good thing. But if there's not a commitment, the desire in the moment of temptation... When you're being pulled to do something you don't want to do, but in that moment, if the desire to do that is greater than the desire not to do that, you're going to do it. So in the moment of temptation, it's not primarily the desire that is leading us. It is the commitment that we have made a commitment before God that with His help and in His power, we will live A clean life. That's true in every area of our life. Here we are today and you say, you know, we have as a family, we have a goal, a desire to get out of debt. We have a desire to pay our house off. We have a desire to save some money. We have a desire to be debt-free, desire to pay off all of our credit cards. We have a desire for that. Well, that's a good desire. But unless you make a commitment that would lead to some changes, that desire is not going to get your house paid off and that desire is not going to get you out of debt. That desire is not going to... Maybe you're here today and say, you know, I have a desire to lose 10 pounds. That's my desire. Well, that's good if you need to lose 10 pounds. That's a fine desire. But the desire alone won't do it. I weigh, I'll give you this story out of my life. I weigh about 175 pounds. Sometimes it can go up to like 180, 184. That'd be the high range for me. It can go down to 169 or 170. Depending on, my, my weight can swing 8 to 10 pounds in 3 to 4 weeks, depending on what I eat and exercise. And, but about 20 years ago, I was at 200 pounds. And my blood pressure was high, getting high. And I said to myself, I am too young to be having... I don't want to be on blood pressure medicine at this age. I need to lose some weight. I need to lose about 15 pounds. And so I looked at my diet, and I made a decision that I was going to cut bread out of my diet, which meant that going to the Olive Garden was no longer going to be as fun as it used to be, right? Because I would eat, back 20 years ago, if I was at the Olive Garden, I would eat four, five, six, seven, eight breadsticks, and man should not live by bread alone, so some lasagna to go with that, pasta, love every bite of it, but I said, I've got to quit that. No more breadsticks at Olive Garden, no more thick crust pizza, no more biscuits, no more rolls, none of it. And I just cut it out. And within a, I don't know how long period of time, but I lost about 15, about 15 or 20 pounds. Now, at this point in my life, I'm not trying to lose weight. Occasionally, I have a biscuit. Occasionally, I eat some bread. But for those, I had made a commitment. Now, why was the commitment so important? Here's why. Because without the commitment, when I'm at the Olive Garden, the desire for the breadsticks is stronger than my desire not to be on blood pressure medication, Right. I just have that, but the commitment, I made a commitment, and I said, I'm not going to eat bread until I get this weight off, and I didn't eat any white flour, no bread anyway, until the weight got off, and so the commitment is the important thing. Now, if you'll turn in your Bible to Daniel chapter number one, this is the main verse. I've shown you those other verses, but I want you to mark this verse today. Daniel chapter one. This is an interesting passage. Daniel, of course, a prophet of God, and Daniel, when he was about 16 years old, was living in Jerusalem when King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon came to town. And that Babylonian army destroyed the city of Jerusalem, tore down the temple, set it on fire, and took most everybody who lived in, Israel, in Jerusalem. Most all of the Jews were deported into Babylonian captivity. We would say they were prisoners of war and for 70 years, there they were in Babylon, and Daniel was one of those as a teenager taken to Babylon. And yet, he knew God's Word well enough to know that there were certain foods that the people of God were not supposed to eat. Now, in today's in the New, in the New Testament times, Jesus has said you don't have to go by those uh, laws, you can eat sausage and you can eat shrimp and you can eat whatever you want to eat but back then you couldn't eat that stuff and so Daniel's in Babylon and those people there they didn't have those same rules from God and so here Daniel is with three of his friends and they have been appointed to a high-ranking government position with the king there uh, in this region and they're offering all these all this food for Daniel and his friends to eat but look at verse 8 Daniel purposed in his heart he resolved in his mind "...that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself." So Daniel looked at that food. I don't know all of it that it was, but Daniel said, we can't eat the shrimp. We can't eat the sausage. We can't eat the bacon. We can't eat that. And I don't know if the king is going to get mad at us for not eating it. But he had made a commitment back in Jerusalem when he was a teenager... I'm going to go by God's laws, and I'm going to keep God's ways, and I'm not going to do what God has told me not to do. And so he purposed in his heart not to eat that food and not to drink that wine. And God honored that. Look in verse 12. Daniel said to the person in charge over him, Please test your servants for 10 days, and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. That's worse than the diet. I, I hate to eat meat. They didn't even have any meat. Vegetables and water for 10 days. And the people over Daniel said, if you only eat vegetables and drink water for 10 days, you're going to be weak. You're not going to have any energy, no carbohydrates, no protein, no strength. You're going to be weak if that's what you eat. And Daniel said, no, but if you'll let us do it for 10 days, vegetables and water, we believe that God will supernaturally empower us and sustain us and honor us for being true to him. Look in verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, Their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacy. At 10 days later, Daniel and his friends were stronger. Their skin looked better. Their energy was higher. They were better off than the people eating that sausage and and all the other stuff that Daniel said, no, I'm not going to eat that. And so God honored that. And what I'm saying today and what I'm encouraging all of us to do today As we think about purity in our lives and the importance of purity. And yet we think today specifically about making a commitment that with God's help we will live a pure life before Him. It's not just a desire. It is a commitment. I was thinking about my my own life and things that in my life. I was thinking about today, for example. Why am I, at my age, standing here today, opening the Bible preaching a sermon to you. Why am I doing that? Because on June the 12th, 1988, when I was 18 years old, I made a commitment to devote my life to the gospel ministry. I made a commitment. Now, before that time, I thought about it. I thought, I think that's what God wants me to do. I had a desire in my heart. I know that's what I want to do. I had the desire But had I just let the desire be by itself and not made the commitment, I don't know where I would be today, but I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be doing this. It is the commitment, not the desire, that sustains us in the tough times of life. And that's true in the area of purity. And so today, I'm going to ask us in just a moment to make a commitment. And we've done different things and we do different things here at First Baptist. Sometimes we raise our hands, sometimes we stand up, sometimes we have everybody to come forward but today, I'm not, we're not going to do any of, any of that. I'm going to ask you in a moment to make a commitment in the privacy of that place where you're sitting right now, before the Lord, that with His help, a commitment that you will live a pure life. Again, you're not going to be perfect, but it is a desire for purity, and it is a commitment to purity. Now, as I thought about this, I thought, that seems so broad, purity, we need to give some teeth to that, something a little more specific to that. And so I want to mention three things here today, three areas, and this is tremendously applicable to the students, but it is also applicable to all of us here today. First of all, a commitment today to sexual purity. Now, for the students, obviously this is very applicable. But I think sometimes when we get older, we think, well, you know, that doesn't really apply to me anymore you know, that, especially those who are married, they think, well, I, you know, I'm already, I'm not single. I'm not going through those struggles that I was when I was much younger. Listen, friends, sexual purity, it includes avoiding adultery, fornication, and those, the acts of sexual immorality. But it also, when we think about sexual purity, we're thinking about our thoughts. We're thinking about our desires. We're thinking about what, what movies you watch, what television shows you watch. We're thinking about what you look at on your computer. With, I mean, you know, the world of technology in some ways is the greatest thing that's ever happened to us, helps us to get the gospel out better than we ever have, helps us to get information in our hands quicker than we've ever known. And in other ways, the world of technology is the worst thing that's ever happened to us because sin is readily available at the click of a button. And so today, I'm asking all of us, single, married, young, old, in the middle, to make a fresh commitment today that with God's help in thought, in deed, in action, in conversation, in implication, in every way, that we today would make a fresh commitment to sexual purity. Why the commitment? Because in the moment of temptation, you need something more than just a desire not to mess up because that desire in that moment will be overcome by the desire to do wrong. You need a commitment, and it is the commitment before God that will help you in the moment of temptation. Number two area, not just sexual purity. Because some people think that's the only thing we're talking about, impurity, is sex and sexual morality. That's part of it. That's not all of it. The number two area, financial integrity. Remember, when Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, "Blessed are the pure in heart, he's not just talking about what we think about, sexual purity. That's part of it. But there's much more to it than just that. It's the total person. Financial integrity. That we would be honest in our dealings with others. That we would pay our taxes. That we wouldn't lie to the IRS. You can't lie to the IRS and be a clean vessel before the Lord. If you're a Christian, you can't lie to the IRS and have a clear conscience. One man I read about had lied to the IRS and he had not reported all of his income. And he felt guilty about it. He wrote a letter to the IRS. He said, Dear IRS, on my recent tax return, I lied. I didn't report all of my income. I feel guilty about it. Here's a check for $500. If I continue to feel guilty, I'll send you the rest later. He was trying to get his conscience clear, but he wasn't going to get it cleared until he sent out everything he owed him, right? Well, financial integrity, to pay our bills on time. Many here today own a business. Hey, man, if you own a business, you have lots of pressure on you. You have the responsibility to pay rent if you're renting a building. You have business. You have equipment. You get, somebody got to pay for that. You own the business, you pay for it. You have to make money. You have employees. You have to pay them. They have a family. You have to pay them what's right. And then you have your own living expenses, kids in school, house, car, insurance. You have all that. And so if you own a company, you're in business to make money. That's not wrong. That's right. That's even a biblical idea. But what I'm saying today is even in that setting, to look at what you're charging people and to ask yourself, is this a fair price? You know, I think sometimes we're pure in one area. For example, you might be sexually pure. You say, man, John, I've been married 40 years. We're pure as the driven snow. You pat yourself on the back for that. And yet, you could be pure in that area and cheating people all over town in your business. And you think, I don't need that book on pursuing purity because I'm sexually pure. Sexual purity is one piece of the pie. It's not the whole pie. And so we want to make a commitment today to have financial integrity. Now, you could be pure sexually, you could be pure business wise, financially, full of integrity, patting yourself on the back, and yet still not fully pure in the eyes of God, still not fully experiencing what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. You say, well, John, what's left, man? If I'm morally pure, sexually pure, financially pure, what's left? I'll tell you what's left, your attitude. And here's the third area that I'm missing today. And that is we need to make a commitment to God that we would have a sweet spirit. I know some people who are sexually pure, who appear to have financial integrity, and sometimes they come off as mean as a devil. And sometimes I'm sure I do too. We're human, and sometimes we mess up. But we need to have a sweet spirit. If you have, let me say this way, because you don't hear this part preached much on the subject of purity. If you have a bitter, cynical, harsh, judgmental, holier than thou, better than everybody else, I've arrived spiritually attitude, always griping about this politician, or griping about that camp, or pointing fingers here, or everything's negative. Listen, if you're that way, if I'm that way, we are not fully pure in the eyes of God. We may be 95% pure. We may be like this soap, take away 99.9% of the germs, but we're not fully pure. And we need to make a commitment today. God, yes, I want to be sexually pure. Yes, I want to have financial integrity. But God, in addition to that, I want to have a sweet spirit. I'm telling you, it's that sweetness and that kindness and that love that draws people to us, and ultimately draws people to God himself. It is the kindness of God in Romans 2 that leads us to repentance, and it is our kindness towards others that God will use to be a blessing. Some of you have heard, and some of you haven't, of a pastor, perhaps the most well-known Baptist pastor, maybe the most well-known pastor, period, in American history. His name is W.A. Criswell. He pastored the First Baptist Church in Dallas for 50 years. And to those of us, like myself, who've been in the ministry since we were young, he was one of our heroes, one of our role models. We have a picture of Dr. Criswell today. There he is in the First Baptist Church, Dallas. Every summer from Memorial Day to Labor Day, he preached in a white suit. That was one of his trademarks. He's just a fun, excited, passionate, passionate man. I have in my home study a Bible, Criswell study Bible, that he wrote to me, to John Redmond, from the heart of your other pastor. And I just treasure that. And I just love Dr. Chris. and I love his life. One of the people who came after him at First Baptist in Dallas was a man named O.S. Hawkins. And the other day I was playing on my phone and I looked up O.S. Hawkins' Twitter page. He put some good tweets out there sometime. And on this particular day, he put out, he posted a prayer that Dr. Criswell had prayed in 1970. In 1970, Dr. Criswell was 60 years old. He lived to be 92, but he was 60 at this time. And at 60 years of age, he knew that he was no longer 25. He knew he wasn't a young man anymore, but at 60, he wasn't 95 either. He's out there somewhere in the middle, but he's feeling probably what people at that age begin to feel. He's feeling Maybe a little cynicism, maybe a little anger, maybe a little bitterness towards people, things he's seen happening, things that aren't right. And here was Dr. Criswell's prayer as a 60-year-old pastor of that church. Lord, as I grow older, may I not become cynical or bitter, but may my love for you be deeper and wider. Dr. Crystal was such a great speaker. He even seemed like he prayed poetically. May my love for you be deeper and wider. May my faith in the things of glory be clearer the nearer I approach them. Lord, let it be that I may be sweet and kind, full of faith and full of hope in you. Now, why was Dr. Criswell praying that he would be sweet and kind? Because he was a man of passion. He was a man of conviction. And if you're like that, that's a good thing. But if you you don't balance out that passion and conviction with some love and some sweetness and kindness, you're going to come across as a tyrant, as a dictator, and nobody's going to be able to be around you. And so for those of us who are passionate, we have to say, God, temper that with love. I don't want to be weak and lose my passion and convictions. But God, I've got to temper that with love. And with sweetness and kindness. You know, on Twitter, if you put a tweet out there, people can respond to that tweet. A fellow pastor responded to O.S. Hawkins' tweet, and I thought this was funny. He said back to O.S., you need to send that tweet to our brethren, talking about our fellow preachers, when they cross the age of 60. And then he said, we've got some bitter birds in the mix. And I read that, and I laughed, and I thought, you know, that's true. But I know some people who are a long way from 60 who are bitter birds. And I know some people who had not even thought about being preachers. They're doing something else, but they're bitter birds too. Bitterness is not just for preachers over 60. Bitterness is something that can happen to any of us. And Criswell said, God, don't let it happen to me. Fill my heart with love for you. And God, may it be that I would be sweet and kind. These are the areas sexual purity, financial integrity, and a sweet spirit. I'll tell you what, if we had purity in those areas, when God looked down from heaven and God had a job he wanted done, you know what he would do? He would walk over here to the drawer and he would open up that drawer and he would say, Here's a clean fork, here's a clean spoon here's a clean knife. They're sexually pure, they're financially pure and filled with integrity, and they have a sweet spirit about them. And God would do some wonderful things in our life and in our midst. Amen? And so with our heads bowed and eyes closed today, as I said, we're not going to have a dramatic, emotionally charged commitment time today. We're going to do this in the privacy of where we're sitting Today, if you would say, John, I have so far to go to get there, but I do have the desire. Friend, the desire is a good thing, but it's not enough. There has to be a commitment. And I'm asking you, as I'm going to join you in doing myself, because I want to be pure in every one of these areas, that today we could pause and we could pray and we could ask God, to help us to be pure in those areas, but we could make a commitment to do our part in the midst of temptation, in the midst of an angry conversation, in the midst of a heated exchange to keep a sweet spirit about us. Those three things right now, heads back, I'll be quiet, pray, make a commitment that you would be pure in those areas. commitment the students today you can make that commitment this could be the thing that will keep you a virgin until you're married this commitment right here some say john it's too late for that today you can have a new beginning you can ask god to forgive you and be cleansed and make a fresh commitment from this day forward that you're going to be pure Father, I can't help but believe that people are doing business with you today. I pray you'll make us pure in these areas. Forgive us where we have failed you in the past, but today we make a commitment fresh and new to be pure, God, before you. In Jesus' name. And all the people said. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed before we end the service today, some here today need to be saved. Today, if you would say, John, the first thing I need before I can be pure and be clean, I need to be cleansed. Would you pray this prayer, Lord Jesus? Forgive my sins. Come into my heart and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Lord. Begin now to make me the person you want me to be.
0: For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decisions please let us know by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we encourage you to get plugged into a strong Bible-believing church in your area and to tell your friends and family about how Jesus has changed your life. We have a booklet titled Pursuing Purity that will help you in your new faith journey and help you seek to live the pure life that John has been speaking of today. You can find it and others under the booklets tab on our website, peacebybelieving.org. We invite you to like Peace By Believing Ministries on Facebook and to follow at PBB underscore broadcast on Twitter. Please share, like, and comment on these social media outlets. Thank you for joining us today. And we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace By Believing with John Redmond.